Welcome to the Renew the Arts podcast, where we discuss the role of art and creativity in the church and in the world. We're your hosts, Justice Stout and Michael Mingoff. Our mission at Renew the Arts is to liberate Christian creativity. At renewthearts.org, you can see what we're working on and see how you can get involved in the creative revival that is currently happening in the church. In the last four years, we've given away more than $200,000 in sponsorship value for projects by Christians who are dedicated to their craft and to their faith. If you like what we're doing and you want to support it financially, please consider donating at renewthearts.org forward slash donate. Some of you might be thinking we're making way too much of the arts. Yeah. I mean, are the arts really that central to the life and work (laughs) of the church? Obviously, we think it's important. However, in this season finale, we take a hard look in the mirror and ask ourselves, are we overstating the importance of the arts? So, this this is our first uh, reactionary podcast, is is what I would call it. Maybe reactionary is a, is a bad word, but... It's a responsive podcast. Responsive. Yes, we're responding... We're not reactionary. No. Yeah. Yeah, because then we'd just be proving the point of the people who might criticize us. We have gotten some interesting feedback um, on this podcast. A lot of, honestly, we've gotten a lot of good feedback, which anybody out there who has sent us a text or a Facebook message. Or called us on the phone. Or called us or emailed us. We really appreciate the encouragement that you've given us in this first season of the podcast. It's It's been been a lot. It really has. It really has. Starting a podcast is a strange thing when you haven't ever done it before. And I'm sure that there have been moments that (laughs) as listeners, you've had to kind of bear through. So thanks for sticking with us if you're still listening. And and, uh, we'd like to address some questions that have been brought up to us and um, some concerns that have been raised. Um, One of the main, go ahead. Yeah, the central question that we've received, uh, and it was actually in a really lovely and very detailed and long and considerate email that we received from somebody who had already supported us financially. Yeah. Which is awesome. Mm -hmm. And so they came and they they wrote us an email and just said, hey, these are some concerns that I have. I think that you might be overstating the importance of the arts. Mm-hmm. And he had some things to say about that, why he thought that was the case. And we had a, a pretty pretty cool exchange. Um, particular, I, I barely weighed in, but you and, and he had a, had a good exchange. And um, it really did get me thinking though. Uh, and so we discussed it a little bit and we wanted to do a podcast on whether or not we are overstating the value or the importance of art, of arts in the church. And um, so I was supposed to write an accompanying article on this today and try to formulate a structure for this podcast. And so I was asking myself this question, are are we doing that? Are we overstating the, the value and importance of arts in the church? And that is a very difficult thing to answer because it's basically asking, are you wrong? Do you feel like you're wrong? Do you think you're wrong? <laughs> right. And it's like, well, obviously. I mean, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> obviously not. So that's difficult. So the first thing that I started doing was kind of just cranking out the usual. Well, I'm, I'm, we're not overstating it because 
X, Y, and Z, the, the things that we think are important. But it was kind of a restating mm-hmm. of, of things we've already been going over. Honestly, it's like, oh, so you're overstating it again. So I was like, ah, I can't, I can't do it that way. Um, and if I am truly trying to find an answer to that question, then that's not a very honest approach either. So I realized that if I'm going to be serious about the question of are we off or are we overstating this point, um, I need to figure out how I would know if we, if, if I was, if I were, excuse me. And, um, so I, I came up with a, uh, a list of things that if we ever find ourselves saying these particular things or, or in this particular, particular circumstance, then, then I would know that we are overstating the role of arts in the church. And, um, I would love to hear feedback on this. I'm being completely honest, like, I would love to hear what what y'all think, but this is this is what I came up with uh, as kind of a, a metric or, or a, um, a a measuring stick to know. Hey, at this point, you've gone too far. Um, I would know that we are overstating the importance of the arts if the arts in the church are currently excellent, challenging the church, and wooing the world. I would know that we're overstating the importance of the arts in the church if churches are currently a haven for creative Christians. I would agree that we're overstating the point of arts in the church if art is not very important to teaching the truth or to presenting the gospel. I would agree with you that we are overstating the importance of arts if art and entertainment are not massively influential, especially in this generation. I would agree that we're going overboard about the arts if art is not essential for worship. I would agree that we're making too much of this point if God did not design each human being in his image as creative. I would agree with you that we're making too much of the arts in the church if the current church is healthy filled with this, with the spirit and growing. I would agree with you that we're overstating the importance of the arts if art is never explicitly commended by God in scripture to convert souls. I would agree that we're making too much of art if we're saying that art is the only way God can convert sinners. I would agree that we've, we've gone too far if we're saying that pastors are less important than artists. And I want to make a few things clear, too, and, and I wrote this out. Um, part of this was at an, from an encouragement from a dear friend of mine, Josh Jackson, who's been very encouraging in the podcast, and we've supported some of his work, but he, rem- he uh, sent me a text reminding me how important it is that the whole point is Christ, and He is what unites us. And um, I don't think that we've strayed from that. But in case we have not made it clear, we are doing this podcast and supporting artists and doing all of this because we love Jesus. We love his church. We love the artists in his church. We love the way that God made all of us in his image as creative beings after the creator who can communicate in spoken and written word, but also in things seen, touched, tasted, and smelled, 
taste and see that the Lord is good. We're worried. We're worried that the church is pushing artists to the fringes. Are we wrong? We're worried that the vast majority of the church's art is designed to comfort and coddle a church in, dis, in, disres, in disrepair and decay. We're worried that the power of creative persuasion is, when not utilized by the church, monopolized by people outside of the church. We are concerned about what lazy worship tastes like in God's mouth, and we would like to take a serious look at the contemporary worship of our church and make absolutely sure that the Lord doesn't want to just spit it out because of the slovenly attitude we have when it comes to worship. We are worried about how millennials are flocking out of the church, but we're also encouraged. We're encouraged that more and more artists in the church are pursuing their calling and creating honest, creative, deep art. We're excited about the opportunities Christians have to share the truth in channels that speak to the heart. We praise God for sharing His truth in ways that speak to our mind and also our heart in Scripture. We're eager to see worship renewed, to see a creative revival that will leave the church with the best creative output we've had since the Reformation. We're excited to see the fruit of a church fluently and effortlessly sharing the truth and speaking to our times in beautiful, captivating ways. That's why we're doing all of this. And if we're ever going to stray from that, call us out. That's my heart. If you ever wondered, that's, that's why I'm doing this. And you can't hear me nodding, but I'm nodding. Michael's nodding. <laughs> we're having a moment. So um, those are some thoughts that I had to get off my chest that I was really considering um, in response to the encouragement and um, concerns, some, some concerns and encouragement that, that were brought up to us. Um, and we love this, these concerns. We love this encouragement. We recognize that we also need to be approaching this in the right way. It would do no good, even if it's a problem in the church, that the arts are not being emphasized properly. If what we're saying is going to end up putting the church in the ditch on the other side of the road. Right, like a pendulum swing. Like a pendulum swing. And that's a very difficult thing. It is. Because if we're right in thinking that the arts have been undervalued for a long time. Right. We obviously are not, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And we're not saying that preaching is not important. And we're not saying that the position of pastor is not important. We're trying to re-emphasize A lost practice. People are already, though maybe not as regularly or as thoughtfully as they should, singing songs, you know, taking the sacraments or uh, performing the sacraments and other elements of of the embodied gospel. Mm -hmm. But if they understood the arts better, (laughs) if they understood the arts better, then the embodiments of the gospel that they appreciate and experience would take on more meaning. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced of this from the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that this idea is so, I think, central to me is because I think that the incarnation of Christ is one of the most central and unique 
defining doctrines of the Christian faith. Hmm. Because in every other faith, in every other religion, that idea of God taking on flesh is insane. It's either uh, impoverished as being just taking on the form of a man or it is completely discarded with the idea within Islam, for instance, that Allah has no form and could not be uh, taking on flesh at any time. That's ridiculous. The idea is absurd. Mm -hmm. And look, I'm not questioning that. It is a very difficult concept. I mean, when you think, how could Jesus be both God, fully God and fully man? How could such a thing happen? It is a mystery of the church. It's also one of the central doctrines of the church mm-hmm. that God in history took on flesh, became a man, was a fully God and fully man crucified on the cross in order to pay for our sins. Those are historical material realities. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the history of the church, you will see that the there's a recognition that the ministry of the church is in word, twofold, twofold, and it's in word, and it's in sacrament. Mm -hmm. And the word we know pretty Pretty straightforwardly, right? like scripture. Right. But what about ministering in the sacraments? The sacraments are in many ways the liturgical elements of our service that most uphold the central doctrine of the incarnation. Mm -hmm. Because in the sacraments, let's say the Lord's Supper, with your senses, you are actually participating in the manifestation of Jesus, mm-hmm. that you are eating his body and drinking his blood with your mouth, mm-hmm. with your hands, with your nostrils, you're smelling it, with your tongue, you're tasting it. And it's such an important concept within the overall doctrine of the church. It's such an important concept because the sacraments end up being sort of the tent pole, the first uh, outpost of God's material presence on the earth from which place streams out all of his manifest sovereignty so that the church out of the sacrament then goes out and looks at the world with that idea in mind. This world is not an empty, chaotic, random collection of Mm -hmm. material realities. Mm -hmm. No, this world has meaning. This world has been given meaning. And when we select from these materials and arrange them in the right way, we can look upon that and we can see and taste and hear and smell the truth. Mm-hmm. And obviously, God has placed that in the scriptures. He has, he has incorporated it into the scriptures. But more than anything else, the word of God is the incarnate son of God. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. In the beginning was the word. Right. In the beginning was not the Bible. Right. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning right. was the word. And, 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 and this is Jesus. And so, when we're thinking about that, we're saying, okay, In many ways, the Protestant church has done a fantastic job of systematizing, explaining, and understanding the 
word-oriented ministry of the church. But it has not done a very good job in the sacrament-oriented ministry of the church. And one of the major reasons why that's the case is because, I mean, it makes sense. At the beginning of the Reformation, they believed that the Roman Catholic Church had become so sacramentally oriented that they had lost altogether the ministry of the word. Mm -hmm. And look, we are sensitive to that. And this is not a situation where we are saying to you all, what we need to do is reemphasize the sacraments and discard this emphasis on the intellect. Instead, you know, and you and I have talked about this, we think that the church, like Jesus and like the scriptures, should be addressing the human being in all three of his faculties. So let's talk about those. Yeah. So the three faculties of the human spirit, just blanketly stated, are the intellect, the will, and the affections. Mm -hmm. All three of these things are not necessarily exercised materially. Mm -hmm. All three of these things are faculties of the human spirit. You have a thinking part in your spirit, you have a choosing part in your spirit, and you have a feeling part in your spirit. And God does not actually privilege one over the other. This is something you really addressed in your article about um, how Reformed, what, what was the title of it? How Reformed Christian Rationalism Turned Me Into a Psychopath? How Christian rationalism turned me into a psychopath, yeah. Right, so I was raised in a church. Water break. That was really, really, really good when it came to the intellect. Mm -hmm. So as far as that faculty of the human spirit, that's what they were addressing, that's what they were serving, that's what they were really um, concerned about. Mm -hmm. To such an extent that it was an exclusive emphasis Mm -hmm. on the intellect. In fact, I remember growing up, if, if any student or any uh, congregant were to start a sentence, I just feel like dot, 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 mm-hmm. they would immediately be stopped by the pastor who would say, it doesn't matter what you feel. What matters is what you think. Right. Tell me what you think. I don't care what you feel. Feelings, the heart are deceitful. Right. Right. So I'm looking at that. I recognize that's not scriptural. And if you want to know reasons why that's not scriptural, you can read my article, How Christian Rationalism Turned Me Into a Psychopath. It's on my website. Um, But I'm sitting here going, no, 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 no. The intellect is important. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree with you. The intellect is important. However, God does not privilege the intellect over the feelings or over the will. He addresses all three. And depending on the way that a person is led, right? Because some of us are intellectuals, some of us are feelers, some of us are choosers. Some of us just want to rule and we want to follow it. That's just the reality. We don't care about how it feels. We don't care about what we think about it. We just want an, a credible authority to tell us what to do. Mm-hmm. Those people are, are, are will-oriented. And look, you might look at that and be like, rah, 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 rah. don't. That's fine. Mm-hmm. God made us all different. I would definitely fall in that camp. You would. And yeah. uh, there's a uh, psychological grouping of personality called the big five. Right. And one of them is agreeableness. Right. Um, and another one is um, conscientiousness. Right. And those two would those probably would fall under the will. Would fall under that, that will element of the spirit that you're talking about. And I would definitely, like, 
for the people are complicated, but for the most part, part I would definitely you, fall into that. What you would say is that you lead with that, mm-hmm. right? That exactly. You lead yeah. with that. It's not that the other two are ever absent. It's that they are subservient to the lead faculty. Right. And every single person has a lead faculty. And if you want to think about it in these terms, prophet, priest, and king. Mm-hmm. You have the prophet who speaks to the intellect, you have the king who speaks to the will, and you have the priest who speaks to the affections. It, it makes a lot of sense that the priest should be in charge of the arts mm-hmm. in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you look at those three things, uh, you know, it makes a lot of sense that, that God is addressing all three parts of the human spirit. Jesus himself being the prophet, priest, and king. Yes, Jesus himself being the word of God, the prophet, priest, and king to all people. And so you look at this and you say, okay, so yeah, the scriptures contains law, which addresses the will. Mm -hmm. The scripture contains prophecy, which addresses the intellect. The scripture uh, contains art, which addresses the affections. Mm -hmm. And all three parts are addressed. And the point is, hey, strengthen your affections to the exclusion of the others. No, the point is is that we all be grown into a whole person. Right. And some of that is individual, but a lot of that is communal. Right. And if the church is in such a state that it sees no value of the artists within their congregation or art within their worship, or at least a very low value... um, then in order for a more full understanding of God and a more full worship of him, these things need to be remedied. They do. Because here's what ends up happening. We talked about this before, but seriously, if you don't address the will and the affections and you're only addressing the intellect, right? you are not actually preaching the whole gospel. And we've even, there's a hilarious story where I forget if it was your pastor or someone said, uh, well, these other churches who don't have the same theological beliefs that we do, they seem to do a pretty good job living like Christ mm-hmm. and like acting out, um, you know, doing Christian good works, practice. basically. Right. Yeah. And uh, what the pastor was like, well, it's because they're inconsistent. Right. Right. <laughs> but what about us then? Why are we inconsistent? Yeah, exactly. Right. No, and so I, I, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, okay, well, the church needs to be organized in such a way that it's addressing all three faculties. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's not. And that's one of the, um, this whole idea of overemphasizing the arts, um, one of the criticisms that was brought to us or concerns that was brought to us was, uh, it sounds like you think art will save the world. Right. And, and there's even that phrase in Dostoevsky, beauty will save the beauty world. Beauty will save the world, which real quick, those are very different things. And uh, also it's hard to determine exactly what Dostoevsky meant by that. So there's that. Um, But we don't adhere to a sense of like um, art is the only uh, tool that the church needs or, and yeah, it's almost silly even bringing it up. It's like, oh, was that in question? Right. um, Obviously art, art is not, Art, art is not going to save the world. The gospel is going to save the world. And but what actually, is, particularly Jesus is going to save the world. Yes. And, and <clears throat> receiving the gospel of Jesus will save you, but you can receive the gospel of Jesus in more than one way. Exactly. <laughs> so the whole thing is, it sounds like you're straying from the gospel or the preaching of the word. It's like, listen, please hear us. When you go to scripture, 
you find creative ways that the Lord has been gracious to share his truth with us through mm-hmm. song, through poetry, even through law in mm-hmm. order to address all three faculties. Right. If you lead with the will, fine, read Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. If you lead with the affections, great, read the Psalms. Right. If you read with the intellect, fantastic, read the Proverbs, read Ecclesiastes. Even Jesus when he came, and I'm sure we've said this, but Jesus' ministry was primarily made up of parables, which That's is right. stories. short He was a peripatetic storyteller. Short fictional stories. Like this is the way that he ministered on his route. Right. And uh, so uh, by no means are we disregarding or down. We do not, we certainly don't mean to downplay any of these other things. We just think that the arts are incredibly, are an incredible value to the church and that God made people to be creative in his image. And that if we continue to neglect that element of humanity and that element of God's communication, we will suffer. Like we will actually continue to have a stilted gospel and we will, we will continue to push artists outside of the church and the church will lose heart. Like it will actually lose that element that those congregants would bring to the community, that affection. Yeah. And actually, even for people who don't lead with the affections, learning to submit themselves to the value that somebody else puts on a high pedestal. Someone else who leads with their affections, just as someone who leads with their affections should also submit Submit themselves themselves to someone who leads with with the will. The will, exactly. And just recognize you have great value to bring to the church and together we make a whole man. Mm -hmm. Together we make a whole person. And and it's like, well, why don't you talk about those things too? Well, it's because those things, things seem to be in high regard in the church today. Right. And art seems to be neglected and artists seem to be pushed out and um, communicating the gospel in creative ways seems to be overlooked. And it's because it is being overlooked that we are trying to bring a microscope in. So um, hopefully it's not going to be a matter of swinging the pendulum too far in the other direction, but it does make sense that we would focus in on the thing that needs the most help. That's exactly what Martin Luther said. He said, if I preach the gospel on every point in agreement with my culture and my society, but I fail to preach the gospel in the one point where my culture and society disagree with me, I have failed to do my duty. Right. And, and that's the truth. We're, we are emphasizing this topic because it is so very underemphasized. Right. It is so in need of being elevated in, to its rightful position alongside, equal to, as important as the declarations of morality that have to do with the will and the declarations of truth that have to do with the intellect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people might say, well, how does it exactly work? I, you know? I'll tell you, if we get back to the scriptures, if we get back to presenting the truth the way the scriptures present the truth, I'll be happy. You know, mm-hmm. just balance it the way the scriptures balance it, mm-hmm. if that's what you need to do. Um, and, 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 it'll, and that will make me very happy. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm sitting here and I'm looking at it and I'm saying, we have to understand if it's true that the human spirit has three faculties – then God is able to encounter human beings in any of those three faculties. 
Mm-hmm. And what that means is that for some people, the first faith that they experience is an assent to the truth because they use their intellect. Mm-hmm. For other people, their first experience of faith is a trust in God having to do with their will. For other people, the first experience they have of the faith is a delight in the beauty of God. And honestly, every single Christian should be cultivating all three of those faculties. Right. They assent to the truth of what God says. They trust God and mm-hmm. obey Him, and they delight in the beauty of God and the beauty of the face of Jesus as they behold Him. And if we don't have all three of those things on great display within our churches, we are failing. We are failing to present the whole Christian to the world. And the proof is in the pudding. That's right. I think that that's going to do it. I am excited to end this episode and this season on the song Four Senses, which is from the album For the Uncaused Cause by Civilized Creature, a.k.a. Ryan Lane, who was generous enough to supply our intro music. That's right. Thanks so much, Ryan. Y'all enjoy this song, and we'll see you in season two. Oh, 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 oh.
Oh, oh, oh.